The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the 20th chapter at the first verse. And Matthew wrote, Jesus speaking, God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And they agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. And he told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. And they went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. And he said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, because no one has hired us. He told them to go to work in his vineyard. And when the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. And those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. And when those who were hired first saw that, they assumed that they would get far more. But they got the same, each of them one dollar. And taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager these last workers put in only one easy hour and you just made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. And he replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last, and the last first. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Well, Lord, in our pursuit of justice, we often close our hearts to another's need. Make us ever aware of your mercy toward us, that in our dealings with others, we may allow your generosity to temper our desire forevermore. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. There's an old family circus cartoon strip that shows two brothers Jeff and Billy, fighting over the size of the slice of pie that their mom has placed before them. They aren't the same, Jeff pouts. Well, mom tries again, evening up the slices. Still, Jeff is upset. They still aren't the same, he whines. This time, his mom uses a ruler and absolutely proves that both slices of pie are exactly the same size. But mom, Jeff complains, I want mine to be just like Billy's, only bigger. <laughs> you know, I think we all tend to think that we deserve a bigger slice of the pie. From the time we are small children, it seems, we are taught that doing more is worth more. So early in the morning, a manager goes to the marketplace to hire some workers and he offers a handful of men a dollar each for a full day's work. 
So they agree and they head on back to the vineyard. Before long, it's apparent that more workers are needed, so three more times the manager goes back to the marketplace for more workers, and finally at five o'clock in the afternoon, with just one more hour of daylight left, he goes back one more time. And he finds another handful of men that he can hire, and back to the vineyard they go. And just one hour later comes the moment that they've all really been waiting for, the handing out of the wages. So the steward begins by going to the end of the line to the last person hired and hands them a dollar. Now those at the front of the line start to get excited thinking, wow, he's going to raise the amount that he offered us if he's paying a whole dollar to the guys who work just one hour. Not so. Each worker received the same pay whether they started at dawn or lounged in the marketplace until the last hour of the day. The early workers were angry. They confront the manager who reminds them that he paid them what they had agreed upon. He kept his part of the bargain. What business is it of theirs to tell him how he should run his affairs? It's his money. It's his vineyard. Can't he do what he wants with what is his? He even asks, do you begrudge my generosity? Sure do. Like most human beings, they have a keen sense of what's fair and what's not. Equal pay for equal work is fair. Unequal pay for equal work is not fair. What's most interesting in this story is how the pay is received and how it depends entirely upon what each person believes he deserves. Now we all know that life isn't fair, which makes it all the more important maybe that God should be. God should be the one authority that we can count on to be fair, to treat people according to their efforts. People should get what they deserve, but according to this story, that's not how God operates. So just for a moment, imagine yourself standing in line for two hours just to get into a theater. And you get there early so you can get at the front of the line. And the manager finally comes out and says that the end of the line comes in first. How would you feel? Because you see, I think how we react to this story depends on where we see ourselves in line. And if we're honest, I think most of us imagine that we would be in the front of the line. We see ourselves as the ones who get the short end of the stick. We are the ones who get cheated out of what we feel we deserve. I bet that's how most of us hear this story. I need you to think did you ever consider that you just might be mistaken about where you are in line? I really think it's possible that we're about halfway around the block as far as God is concerned. Maybe with almost everybody before us in line. You may even want to cry because you perceive your chance of getting in as next to nothing. And then the manager comes out and shock of all shocks points straight at you 
and calls you in first. And you and everyone at the end of the line begin to cheer and those at the front begin to grumble and you didn't do one single solitary thing to deserve this remarkable turn of events. God is not fair. God actually seems to enjoy reversing the order of things, the systems that we tend to, ex to set up to explain why God should love some of us more than others of us. Because God is not fair, there is a chance, a real good chance, that we will get more than we deserve, not because of who we are or anything that we have done, but just because of who God is. So if you can give me just a couple more minutes, I'd like to flip this just one other way. I want to ask you this morning, what could you change about your life if you knew there was no heaven or hell? Imagine. Would you be less loving toward your family? Would you cheat on your spouse? Would you be dishonest in your business? I don't think so. Because the old saying that virtue is its own reward is essentially true. There are other reasons, I think, that we maintain our wedding vows, run our businesses in an ethical way, love our families besides the threat of hell. We seek to live virtuous lives not out of fear, but because we've looked around and we see that a moral life is really the best way to live in this world. We can't imagine a world without moral values or family ties. We might joke a little bit about the attractiveness of sin, but deep down in our hearts, we know that a life of sin leads only to the destruction of just about everything that's good and lasting and ultimately satisfying in this world. God is not our enemy. Deep in our heart, I think we know that. The tempter is the enemy. The one which tempts us to be less than the beautiful, whole children of God that we were created to be. So what would you honestly change about your life if you knew there was no heaven or hell? I'd guess today probably very little. But when we come to the mature realization that we seek to do right not to please an angry God, but ultimately because it is in our best interest to do right, then we no longer envy the person who makes a deathbed confession. Indeed, we pity him for taking so long to see what we have really known all along. So here's the powerful secret that the world just doesn't seem to get these days. Living for Jesus is the best way there is to live in this world. And the question isn't, why not wait until the end and enjoy your sin? 
The question is, wouldn't it be stupid to live your life in emptiness and despair when Christ can come into your life and give you purpose and meaning and even joy today? Dr. Tom Long tells a story about a young boy many years ago who was a great fan of both Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers. And the boy faithfully watched both of their television programs and one day it was announced that Mr. Rogers would be paying a visit to Captain Kangaroo. And the boy was just ecstatic. Both of his heroes together on the same show and every morning the boy would ask, is this the day that Mr. Rogers will be on Captain Kangaroo? And finally the great day arrived and the whole family gathered around the TV and there they were, Mr. Rogers and Captain Kangaroo together. And the boy watched for a minute and then surprisingly got up and wandered from the room. So puzzled, his dad followed him and asked, what is it, son? Anything wrong? It's too good. It's just too good. So as we listen to the story of the vineyard this morning, I think that is how we should feel about the message of God's grace. Not that it is unfair, but that it is so, so good. You see, it really doesn't matter when you come to Christ. Just come. Amen.